You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Uh, we made it to a Friday. It's a Traeger meat Friday. We've got corn on the cob. We've got chicken on the Traeger grill. It's a happy birthday for me. Happy-ish birthday for me. We're going to pick a Chat Row t-shirt by the end of the show. And I, I don't know what you guys are voting on, Chat Row. The one with Penny, our house dog on it. I'm going to I'm going to have that t-shirt made whether that's the pick or not. I think that 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 t-shirt's awesome. That that is really a beautiful t-shirt. Chat Row and the DP show with uh, Penny, our house dog there. Looks beautiful. But uh Chat Row, it's your t-shirt. You guys designed it. You guys vote on it and I uh, got about an hour and a half before we announce what t-shirt we're going to go with and uh, don't screw it up there. Spent some time with Clayton Kershaw, the Dodgers pitcher, first hour. It was a lot of fun. And introduced the world to his uh, little boy, Cooper, his uh, newborn son. He was feeding him uh, this morning. Had his Bryce Harper hair. Clayton did. And, uh, you know, we talked about the Blake Snell comments where Blake Snell, the Tampa Bay Rays, former Cy Young winner. And, you know, he's a wonderful pitcher. He had 27 years of age. He said it's not worth the risk to go back here for that amount of money. And I think the amount of money part of that is what kind of set some people off. And he's received some criticism. Bryce Harper and uh, Nolan Arenado, some uh, marquee players, did come to his defense, sort of. Kershaw said, look, uh, I think he uh, kind of stated a little bit too strongly. These guys are coming back. They've negotiated something. I don't like that it's been you know, negotiated in the media, but that was by design by the owners and by the commissioner. And let's put it out there. You're going to have public sentiment on the owner's side of this. Hey, these guys don't want to play or they're having a problem. They don't want to you know, play for this amount of money or reduce salary. I understand it. That's part of the game that's played through the media. But uh, Clayton Kershaw said, look, we got a deal. Can't wait to come back. Uh, won't take that much for me to be able to come back and get ready to pitch. Chris Sims from NBC Sports will join us. That'll be next hour. And Chris stirred things up a little bit when he said a couple of days ago, the Seattle Seahawks were thinking of trading Russell Wilson prior to the 2018 draft. Now, it's a rumor. Now, I've since heard a couple of analysts say, you know, I heard about this. Okay. And maybe you did because we don't report on you know rumors that we hear. We shouldn't report on rumors. We try to back it up with fact. But there are times when you hear something and you can't nail it down, but it's too juicy to not let people in on it. And Chris Sims said this. Do I think it's possible? Yeah, I do. I don't know if it's a negotiating ploy. I don't know if they really loved Baker Mayfield or maybe they loved somebody else. But if you're going to trade Russell Wilson to the Browns for the number one pick, then you, I'm sure, are aware of who you were going to take with that number one pick. Yes, McLovin. Who said no in this proposed deal? Would you think? Who would be more likely to be the one that said, nah, I'm not interested? Who was rumored to have said no? Oh, because we don't. I, no, I was actually, if logically, like, <laughs> oh, I think oh, the Browns oh. would never do this because they would never want to pay $35 million and yes. give up the number one overall pick. And, and, and that's money. What, I think I think quarterbacks should have their own salary cap. We, we've said that before. Paulie came up with the idea, and then they actually discussed this with the Players Association and the owners. They, this was discussed a separate pay scale salary for just your quarterbacks here. Because I don't think Russell Wilson ends his career in Seattle. I think he's maybe got two more years there, maybe two more years there. Most quarterbacks, as we know, don't end where they started. You know, Ben Roethlisberger is going to be a dinosaur. Uh, Rodgers won't end it in Green Bay. 
Drew Brees started out in San Diego. We know what happened with Tom Brady. Uh, Philip Rivers goes to the Colts. It's really hard to keep them at that price. And with the, you know, the salaries going up with quarterbacks exponentially, you know, does Patrick Mahomes end his career with Kansas City? Does Deshaun Watson end his career with the Texans? I would lean towards saying no. If they're going to have a prolonged career, are you going to be able to keep them at that price? Because the other positions aren't going up in, in you know, salary, in price like quarterbacks are. That's why I think that there might have been some legitimacy to this. If I'm Seattle, and I really think that, and maybe it's Baker Mayfield, we can bring him in with that rookie salary. That's how Seattle built that legion of boom. Because they were able to pay players, and then once Russ got paid, then you had to let some of those players go. And if I'm Cleveland and I could get Russell Wilson with that team and that he would provide that leadership, like if you had Russell Wilson with the Cleveland Browns this year and I put Baker Mayfield on Seattle, let's, let's just do hypothetical. Let's go crazy with this. You're taking the Cleveland Browns to be a better team than the Seattle Seahawks because Russell Wilson is an elite quarterback. He, he never misses a game. Eight years hasn't missed a game. He keeps you in every single game. And if you had him with that leadership, with the Browns, the Browns are a legitimate Super Bowl team, in my opinion. I think he adds that much to them. You have a rookie coach in Kevin Stefanski. He would help you out immeasurably. Then you would have somebody who could deal with Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. You would have a running attack there. And Russ has been in a, a, a running game offense there in Seattle. I think it would be a perfect fit if you were willing to pay that kind of money to your quarterback. So we'll talk to Chris Sims coming up in a little bit. Poll question, McLovin. Did we decide on one in the first hour? Well, I missed it. I put up Todd's question. Would you leave your family to salvage a baseball season? How do you think people voted on that? I'm going to say majority yes. It was actually 54% said no. Okay. They would not leave their family. Hmm. Okay. Maybe I, mean, I-, I guess if you, have, if you have young kids, is that a different scenario? Like Clayton Kershaw there with his baby. That'd be tough. Yeah, but he said, look, I'm... I'm if if they deem it safe, then I'm going to go pitch. Now that 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 was his response, but I it, it's individual. You know, I don't know if Blake Snell is married, if he has kids, and if that's important. If you know you're going to be quarantined or whatever's going to happen here, we don't know all of this yet. We're dealing with hypotheticals, not the reality of this is what it's going to be, and that's why it's hard for these players to go. Yeah, I'd do it. They don't know what they're signing up for yet. And in fairness to them, until they do, I have to give them a little bit of leeway here. Yeah, McLovin. What do you think of the players on NBA teams who are out of the playoffs? Would you, I mean, it's a tough question, but do you think that they have an obligation to play, even though if there's not much in it for them? You know, well, say you're on a. If, okay, are you getting paid? Do you want to continue to get paid? Is that. You're not going to pay much. Like, for example, some of the top guys have to, were reported to have to give money back, like LeBron. And then they said that they won't have to do that. But you're not getting paid a lot prorated. Yeah, but if you're going to have. Are they just going to start the playoffs? Or are they going to have five regular season games? I, they, if they had like 10, five, 10 regular season games and you're on one of those like 13 win teams, like the Grizzlies or something, would you, I think you, you owe play? it. I think you owe it to the rest of the league to do that for the competitive balance for you to put your, what happens if you don't play? And then what happens to those games on the schedule? 
do you, do you have to then change, alter the schedule that could be a tougher schedule because now instead of facing Memphis, you're going to be facing a team that is in the playoffs. Then it then it's going to change who might get in and who might uh, get b- bounced out of there. I, I think you owe it to the league to be able to do And that's not asking much. If you come back, get ready for five games. Yeah, Paul. And, and the other thing about the baseball players maybe being in a, a quarantine system the last two months or three months of the season, they've had March, April, May, and June, upcoming June, home with their families, when usually they're either at the ballpark or traveling. So this has been a quite different season where March, April, May – they haven't traveled one bit. They've been sitting at home with their family. So this is not a, might not be as drastic as it's made out to be. And if you're only going to play a week or two weeks or get ready for, you know, it'll take two weeks to get ready or 10 days. And then you play another week after that. that that's not asking that much. As long as they're safe, as long as they feel safe, then, then fine. I, I don't want to dictate what somebody should do or shouldn't do. Yeah, McLovin. By the way, I, at 32 and 33, the Grizzlies are still the 18. I forgot all about John ja Morant. So yeah, my Grizzlies. Be, yeah. Your Grizzlies, they're ahead of the schedule a little bit. The final episode of The Last Dance airs on Sunday night, and it's created its fair share of controversy. A lot of people say it's too friendly to Michael Jordan. That it's sort of based on a true story, as the great Sam Smith, the author of The Jordan Rules, said on the show. Uh, maybe uh, too harsh on Jordan's enemies, like Jerry Krause. But everything that's been going on, you could argue that this has been the most impactful sports documentary of all time. And I'm not saying the best. Ken Burns' epic baseball was spectacular. Uh, ESPN with the 30 for 30s. You had the two Escobars. You had OJ Made in America. That won the Oscar for Best Documentary. Hoop Dreams from 1994 was so good, it should have been considered for Best Picture, not Best Documentary. But the last dance has been viewed in a vacuum here because, you know, all of the nostalgia for Michael Jordan, all those years, it hit the perfect note with a sports star of country. And it, and it kind of reignited old debates. It started plenty of new ones. It was the right story at the right time. And like a lot of fans, we know how this ends, but we're going to be sad when it's over. And that'll be the final two episodes coming up on Sunday night. I think you're going to see a pretty emotional Michael Jordan coming up in the final episode. Uh, Dealing with his bodyguard, and he had lost his father, and he treated his bodyguard like he was his father figure. And it was really important for Michael to have this person around. Uh, I think you're going to see that softer side. The, uh, The edges are going to be smoothed down for Michael Jordan coming up in the final episode. Now, there's prop bets. How many cigars are smoked? How many people smoke cigars in the uh, episodes? You can actually bet on it. Um, does Michael cry? Oh, I definitely go with Michael cries. Yeah, Paul. I think the prop bet for me, or maybe the guess for me, is what will be the final shot before they go to credits? What will be the final thing you see? Will it, uh, Likely Jordan, but what will it be? Will it be him sitting there with a cigar? Will it be something different? Don't they have a picture of him kissing the floor, the logo, at the Chicago Stadium? And I don't know. I think he did that. I don't know when he did that. I think he did that. I don't know if that's the the, the last. Is it something with the Washington Wizards? Or just like, this is over, and then you just show that it wasn't truly over that there's something with Michael in a Washington Wizards uniform. But what are, what are some of the prop bets that you saw McLovin attached to this? 
One of them was, will he be shown in a wizard's uniform? Mm. And the odds are minus 200, no, plus 150, yes. So that means likely that they will. Don't they have to cover that part, Dan? Well, this is the last dance about the Bulls. Yeah. I I, uh, I don't know. I don't know if they, they just kind of throw it in there just to say to be continued. Did NBA entertainment follow Michael Jordan with the Wizards? That's what I want to know. Do we have to wait another 20 years before we get to see the Wizards documentary here? First person shown on Sunday night, Phil Jackson, Jerry Krause, Scottie Pippen, Jerry Reinsdorf, Dennis Rodman. By the way, they owe an E in, in Krause there. Uh, they spelled it wrong. How many people with a cigar? How many times is the F word used? <laughs> Over, under, two and a half. Uh, will Michael cry? Yeah. So those are some of the prop bets here with uh, the Jordan documentary. And then we'll have Reggie Miller on Monday. We know that Reggie, his interview airs episode nine. And, you know, Reggie and Michael did not have a good relationship. You know, they, they had, I think there was respect in their relationship, but there wasn't a, a whole lot of praise or love or, you know, Reggie has been, it still bothers him. It bothers him about this relationship or, you know, how they faced each other, what happened. He lost a game, a big game that they should have beat them in that would have prevented this last championship. So Reggie has taken it personally. And he said, I, I wanted to be the one to retire Michael Jordan. And I can't imagine that's going to be aired on Sunday night. I can't imagine how Jordan's going to react to that. I'm going to guess you're going to get a big belly laugh from Jordan when they say, here's what Reggie Miller had to say. I wanted to be the one to retire Michael Jordan. And then you'll get Jordan with that big belly laugh. But uh, that's just uh, some of the things, some of the items coming up there on Sunday night. Yeah, Paul. Do you think that after this documentary is over, Michael Jordan is different as far as a public figure? Because for the past 15 years, He's been basically silent. He does his work, and he doesn't do a lot of interviews. Remember, he did the Wright Thompson interview a few years ago, and then this, and he doesn't talk. He doesn't. He's not active. He's a hidden guy for the most part. I you would think, think. Any chance he goes the opposite way? I don't see why. I mean, he's done the in, the interview. He de, he never has to do another interview. But he's had a good dose of himself in front of him the past few. weeks. He may be tired of himself. Yeah. And, and there will eventually be where there's. I mean, it's nice to see Michael and, and, you know, people get to see him, get to tell people that they saw Michael Jordan. But I, I don't think this changes anything. I mean, would I expect him out? And he doesn't even go to all the, you know, the basketball games where he's the owner of. He's kind of a recluse. I mean, he's made him a lot of money. He built his own golf course. He's got, you know, a twin girls uh, that are young. I don't. I don't think Michael is going to be front and center doing a TED Talks. Yeah, Paul. It would be great if, remember that show Kobe Bryant did called Detail, where he broke down players in detail with film? There's no way Michael would do something like I, that. But I would love for someone to take a shot and see if the, you could use this opportunity to get him to say, like, hey, would you do a regular thing? All you have to do is sit in your, your lounge. Yeah, but Kobe helped players. Michael never helped players. Again, I know what I'm saying. History is against what I'm saying here, but I'm wondering if any chance that he goes the opposite way. There's not a chance. Yeah. Not a chance. Kobe helped so many young players. Michael never helped anybody. 
I mean, he he helped his own teammates by pushing him, but he was not going to give you a tutorial on how to be as good as Mike or some of the things that he... Kobe didn't... He wasn't afraid to say, here's how you do this. And and whether it was NBA players, college players, or even, you know, uh, women college players or women from the WNBA, he was willing to help be that mentor. Mike is... That's just not who he is. Yes, Eaton. Well, in the last dance, they do show that one moment, though, of um, I think it was in an all-star game and Kobe is trying to back down Jordan or they're they're like talking to each other. And he's like, hey, how do you do this one move? And they're in the middle of the game. And Michael said, oh, you have to feel the defense with your feet. That's how you know which way you're supposed to go or whatever. Like he was giving Kobe those kinds of tips. What is it about Kobe that made him different than, you know, anybody else? Is it that he just identified I think someone he, on that same level or I think he truly saw himself. I think he truly saw the same makeup, physical and mental makeup. And I think Michael, you know, he, he never suffered fools gladly. Like he, he wanted you to be great. He pushed you to be great. He realized Kobe was pushing himself to be great. And I think Michael saw that and didn't feel threatened by it. I, I think he looked at it and said, Kobe is who he is because of me. And I think that he felt comfortable being able to share that with Kobe and being a big brother to Kobe Bryant. 1994 final event at Chicago Stadium was a charity basketball game. And Michael Jordan, despite being in retirement at the time, although he returned seven months later, participated. He scored, <laughs> he scored 52 in a charity game. I yelled at people. At the end of the game, Jordan kneeled and kissed the Bulls logo at center court. And then they, of course, got the the new place. But I don't know if that's how you end it, because chronologically, it it wouldn't be correct. But, yeah, I don't know. I just I was wondering about that. What do you do? Uh, What what is that final moment of Michael? Is it is it from behind is he walking out? That's a good call. Is it a basketball play? I think it's th- because this documentary is more about the person, not the player. Paulie, chase the director. Ask him, ask Jason Hare, what's the final shot? Oh, then we could uh, get some prop bets down. Yeah. Yes, McLevin. Are we going to be debating whether it was a push off against the Jazz? No, it Monday was morning? a push off. Absolutely, it was a push-off. And they didn't call it in Utah. In Chicago, he gets away with it. In Utah... Yes, he... I don't know if you already said this about the final shot, but, you know, there's those pretty... It's an iconic video and the pictures of uh, Michael Jordan crying holding the Larry O'Brien trophy. Mm-hmm. That You always see that because, like, the veins are coming out of his head. It looks like he's just squeezing the hell out of that thing. Yeah. I would bet that. Because the whole thing has really been about his obsession with that trophy. With winning. Yeah. That would be my vote for the last shot. Yeah, Todd. Wouldn't it be as simple as him in his prime that's soaring in the air shot with his tongue out, just flying in the air, getting ready to dunk? That would be the last scene, meaning the last moment of some kind of sequel. or Does it have to be that dramatic or what's next for Michael Jordan? Yeah, but this isn't about him, the basketball player. It's about him, the person. That's what this documentary is about. Because we knew the basketball player. We didn't know the person. 
That's what the documentary is all about. Take a break. 20 after the hour. We'll come back with your phone calls. Also, is the league going to investigate James Harrison's comments about maybe Mike Tomlin paying his fine after the hit in the Cleveland Browns game with the Steelers? Have that story for you coming up right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Get to your phone calls coming up. Folks from Stats Inc., Ethan sent me a note saying Hugh Hollins was one of the refs in Michael's final game in Utah and he didn't call the push off. Surely if anyone would have called an offensive foul on the world's greatest player with an NBA title on the line, Hugh Hollins would have been the guy. Hugh Hollins was also the guy who had the horrible call against the Bulls who were playing without Jordan that next year and won 57 games with Scottie Pippen, and they lost to the New York Knicks. That was a bad call there. We're also talking about this Russell Wilson rumor. He started in 128 regular season games since Seattle drafted him. With Phillip Rivers moving to the Colts, Wilson has the longest active starting streak by any quarterback with his current team, twice as long as the next longest streak. Dak Prescott was 64. The fact that this Dak Prescott contract situation continues to drag on. Now I'm hoping he gets $50 million a year. Like, you could have done this a year ago. And you could have gotten Dak Prescott for what we would now view as a bargain. Now it's going to continue to rise. Every day it feels like he's getting, he's worth more money because you know Deshaun Watson is waiting to see what Dak gets. And you know Patrick Mahomes is waiting as well. Not that Patrick Mahomes' salary is going to be based off Dak Prescott. I know that the Cowboys want a five-year deal. Dak Prescott said four-year deal. Now, if you take a little less money and you go four years, that would be my strategy. Let's give him four great years. That allows me, before I'm 30, to sign one more big deal. And maybe it's not with Dallas, but... I got four years. I got a great offensive line. I got all these offensive weapons. I'm going to position myself statistically and hopefully record-wise where I'm going to be an elite quarterback. Go for four, and if you want to go for $35 million a year, then maybe that's the way to go. You're also going to make more money off the field than just about any other quarterback just because you play for the Dallas Cowboys. You might be adding $10 million more to – your salary there. Now he may not look at it that way and, and it's his money. Get as much as you can. And the Cowboys are going to try to give him less money than he's probably, than he thinks he's worth. But I would go four years and let's go for, you know, a number that we think is solid and it's respectful and it's more than the next highest guy on the list. If, if that's important to you, go get that. But at some point, Dak Prescott and his agent have to look at this and say, what are we satisfied with? And how long do we want to sign this contract for? If you can go for four and you can get 35, 36 million, great. Are you worth 40? No, you're not. Is Deshaun Watson worth 40? He might be worth 40. You're not. Because Deshaun Watson is the face of that franchise. Dak Prescott is not the face of that franchise. They have faces in that franchise. He's not Jerry Jones is the face of that franchise. But if you're Dak Prescott, 
four years, then you can get another big contract there, and I think that that would be the strategy. But the way it's going now, here's Emmett Smith, the Hall of Fame running back who once held out with the Dallas Cowboys and Jerry Jones, had this to say about the contract situation on 103.5, the fan in Dallas. If you understand the business of leverage, when you have leverage, then you, you try to set the rules. And the only way you fight leverage is you fight it by establishing your ground. And I think at some point, this stuff will subside. But for as far as the players go, Dak is not worried whether or not he's going to get signed. I'm not even concerned. I believe he will get it done. And I believe the Cowboys will get it done because we don't have room to be playing games and playing chicken. Yeah, but it still feels like that. If you're going to have a franchise tag on him and it's a one-year, okay. Are you sold on Dak Prescott being the the absolute future franchise, great quarterback up there with the other great quarterbacks in the league? And if you are, then hopefully he gets paid that. But if I'm Dak Prescott, you're not an elite quarterback right now. You're a good quarterback. But you didn't even win the division last year. And that was the division that was there for the taking. And it's not all on him, but it does become all on the quarterback when you don't get to the postseason or what you do in the postseason. That's what Dak Prescott, you know, he has to take that responsibility. Not blame, responsibility there. And if you want to be an elite quarterback, I want to see what you do when you get to the postseason. All right, uh, a couple of phone calls here. Let me go to uh, Millie in Oregon. Good morning, Millie. How are you? Hi, I'm four foot five, seven, 75 pounds. All right, well, welcome, Millie. I just want to say happy birthday. Well, thank you, Millie, and tell your dad uh, thank you for calling in as well. What are you doing today? I'm eating breakfast. Oh, you're eating breakfast. Well, I I appreciate you calling in, Millie, and uh, thank you very much. My birthday's in two days. Oh, that's great. What do you want for your birthday? Uh, (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? It, It almost sounded like your dad said that. So maybe your dad wants some DP show gear and uh, tell dad that I'll do him for him. I watch your guys' show every morning with my dad. Oh, that's sweet. Who do you like the most on the show? Uh, you. Oh, well, that's the right answer, Millie. Stay on, stay on hold, okay? And, and I'm going to have Marvin take all your information, and we're going to send you out some DP show stuff for your birthday. Okay. Thank you. All right. That's Millie in Oregon. Thank you, Millie. Uh, Karen in Ohio. Hi, Karen. What do you have for me today? Hi, Mr. Patrick. Good morning. Um, bourbon drinking, cigar smoking, 5'6", 125 pounds. Mm-hmm. My kind of woman. <laughs> I just wanted to wish you a happy birthday and just wanted to say I love listening to you guys. And along with Millie, although I have to disagree, I think Seton is the best. Oh, okay. Well, thank you, Karen. Bourbon drinking, cigar smoking, Karen from Ohio. Yep, those are my people. Yeah, of course they are. (laughs) That's my people. Yeah, Paul. Yeah, Karen, if you're still listening, I'm a big fan of Pam from Four Houses Down, just so you know. (laughs) Now you care about being liked, Paulie. It's too late. Right in my face. Yeah, yeah. Pam is more of the uh, 
barbecue oh, eating, yeah. plaid wearing. Yeah. She's got a wag of the hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Emotionless. <laughs> yeah, mean spirited. Yeah. Terse. Yeah. Travis in Ohio. Hi, Travis. Hey, DP. Happy birthday, my man. Well, thank you. I, I think we all drink bourbon in Ohio. I don't know. It just must be a common thing. But I got, I got two things for you today. Okay. Uh, one, uh, your man Sandman came out with a real good movie on Netflix, The Wrong Missy. It's really funny. I mean, it's a good movie, but would have been great if my Dan Hess would have got a little scene in there. I mean, come on, with all these movies cranking out, you'd think you'd be able to fit you guys in a little bit. Yeah, that was the um, David Spade movie, and uh, yeah. yeah. I can't ask to be in every Sandler movie. I try, but but I right. I didn't. That was a David Spade movie, not an Adam Sandler. Oh. Movie. Yeah. Oh, okay. I thought he produced it, but yeah. uh, my my last thing is: is this the year mm. that we get Dan Patrick to get back on the hometown Cleveland Browns bandwagon? You know what? When everybody's off, I'm going to be on Travis. But everybody jumped on a year ago, and then I jumped off. I just thought this. This is not going to end well. I'm cautiously optimistic with the Cleveland Browns. But the Ravens are going to be good. Cincinnati has to be better. The question is, and Pittsburgh, I think, will be good, competitive. I I just don't know about Ben Roethlisberger. If he stays healthy, then Pittsburgh will be their usual dangerous team. But Cleveland, Cleveland has the second most talent it feels like in that division. That Pittsburgh defense is good. I'm not quite sold on Pittsburgh's offense, but with Ben in there, they somehow he keeps them in games. But uh, yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland should better be good this year. Better be good this year because if not, then we're going to start to have some questions about uh, Baker Mayfield in there. Speaking of the Steelers, James Harrison was on Barstool Sports. And he mentioned that um, he received an envelope from the Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin. And this was supposedly to cover a fine that he received from the NFL back in 2010. He had a hit against the Cleveland Browns and he was fined $75,000. I don't think he was flagged on the play, but he got fined $75,000. And he said that he got this envelope from uh, Mike Tomlin. And uh, we're led to believe that was to cover the fine. Here's, James Harrison talking about that. The most you've ever been fined in one game. One game was 75. Ooh, is that the Massaquah hit? Yeah, dude. How you gonna find me setting for the dude? Oh, listen, 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 listen. Everything I love on my daddy's grave. I hit that man with about max 50% of what I had. And I just hit him because I wanted him to let loose of the ball. If I had knew they was gonna find me 75,000, I would have tried to kill him. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. Right. 75? I ain't gonna lie to you. Uh, but that happened, right? And uh, the G's thing Mike Tonley ever did, he handed me an envelope after that. I ain't gonna right. say what, but right, right. he handed me an envelope after that. Okay, wait. You're gonna tell me he handed you an envelope, but you don't want to tell me what's in the envelope. No, no, no. You've already pushed the envelope there, James. And I, I wanted to hear the context of it, because when you see it in print, you go, hmm, sounds like that that's not a bounty as much as it is paying a fine. And Sean Payton of the, the New Orleans Saints certainly has to be interested in this. He lost $6 million. He lost an entire season because of Bounty Gate. When those players were you know later vindicated, 
Sean still lost $6 million. Made him pay him back. And he thinks that there's some stuff going on there. Uh, Sean Payton was asked about the James Harrison remarks. He said, I'd be shocked. That'd be something that's tucked away under the rug at Park Avenue. They'll look into it briefly. Listen, don't get me started on that. I lost $6 million in salary. And honestly, it was something that I'll never truly get over because I know how it was handled and how it was run and the reasons behind it. That's just the truth. All righty. Well, the Steelers have come out to say that absolutely didn't happen. James Harrison's agent says, absolutely not, never happened. I would have known that it didn't happen. Maybe James Harrison doesn't tell his agent. I wouldn't tell anybody, including Barstool Sports. Because now Mike Tomlin has to answer to this. And, you know, sometimes you get on these shows and people get loose and you're having fun and you say something. And you go, well, wait a minute. Oh, oh yeah. I, okay, I guess I can see where people might be upset about that or take that differently. James Harrison is saying that his coach paid his fine. Or the team paid his fund. Now he says, I'm not going to say what's in the envelope. But if you're telling me it cost you $75,000, and then you're going to tell me about Mike Tomlin, if it's not money related, then what could it be related to? And maybe Harrison's just having some fun here. But you put the Steelers and your former head coach in a really bad light here. And if I'm the NFL, I got to look into this. I got to find out about it. Got to be fair to the New Orleans Saints here. You got to be fair to the New England Patriots here. You got to explore it. Hey, somebody's letting, you know, air out of a football or somebody's trying to knock somebody out and your coach is going to cover your fine. You got to, you got to explore it. Got to investigate. Now, James Harrison doesn't have to talk to anybody. He's not in the, in the game anymore. Mike Tomlin does. Ownership has to. Yeah, Paul. So it's not a bounty, so it's different than the Saints, but I'm sure it's illegal for a team to pay a player's fine. Yes. And I'm sure there's some IRS implications here. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't even hand someone a check for $75,000. Trust me. I've... Is this like Al Capone? They're going to get him for income tax evasion? <laughs> yeah. That's James, We finally nailed James can Harrison. Can you imagine James Harrison out in the yard, all swollen. What are you in here for? Uh, Coach Tomlin paid my fine. Income tax evasion. <laughs> he got investigated. James Harrison has shined the light on this and said, here it is. This is what happened. And I'm, I'm wondering if James Harrison, now James Harrison might look at this and say, that's why Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Because he had my back. And while I understand that, he doesn't realize this put Mike Tomlin in a, in a bad light, bad situation. Because now you had to an answer. And, and if James Harrison doesn't want to meet with the commissioner, Mike Tomlin's still employed here. And I don't think the commissioner would, uh, I, don't, I don't think he would treat this too kindly if he knew that this was a possibility, that the team is paying for a fine with a hit to the head of a wide receiver. Now. But I do understand why Sean Payton would be upset because, you know, they, they, everybody was exonerated there. But Sean still lost an entire season, his salary of $6 million. All right, we'll take a break. We'll get to your phone calls coming up. 
Chris Sims will join us in the final hour. We'll get his thoughts on this. Plus, the Russell Wilson rumor. Were the Seahawks really thinking of trading him? And Cleveland wasn't the only possible destination. There was also the rumor that he wanted to get closer to New York so his wife, Sierra, could be more involved in the entertainment world. And uh, maybe the New York Giants were going to be that destination. But that'll be coming up in about a half hour from now. Back with your phone calls right after this. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live every day at YouTube.com slash The Dan Patrick Show. When are they doing the David Bowie movie? Because you had Queen with Freddie Mercury and then uh, we had Elton John. I have to believe David Bowie would be next. Trying to think who else we would have these biopics. McLevin, have you heard anything on the David Bowie biopic? You know, you I was just looking, I think you rang a bell that they're working on it. You know, they had a movie called Velvet Goldmine by Todd Haynes. It was about David Bowie and Iggy Pop. Yeah. They were fictionalized. Remember with you and McGregor? Yeah. Yeah, Paul. There's a David Bowie movie called Stardust, which is done and completed, and it was supposed to be leaked out, uh, come out at the Tribeca Film Festival last month because of what's going on now. It's oh. Everything's kind of on hold, but it is complete and ready to go. It's I about Bowie. Uh, uh, man, I, I don't know. I think the guy's name is Johnny Flynn. Oh. Not yeah. the former guard for Syracuse. No, I didn't think Johnny Flynn. Who was a great basketball player, but I don't know what kind of singer he was. Johnny Flynn. Okay. Time for the Discover Card moment of the week as we take you back to Tennessee Titans head coach Mike Vrabel joining us where he uh, told us the story about Tom Brady. I also, I wanted to ask you, and you told this story this a couple of years ago that I think you made the mistake of saying to Tom in the huddle that you were, you were open. I just, <laughs> I, I'd gone out for a run. I'd gone out for a run. I'd been over on offense for like a week. And so they throw me in there and I run this route. I'm in the back of the ends and I'm like, Tom, Tom, Tom. And I, and I come back in the huddle and I was like, I was wide open. He goes, Mikey, if you ever raise your hands at me again, I'll never throw you the ball. He's like, I'm the quarterback. I know who's effing open. I was like, well said. I got the point. That's uh, Mike Vrabel, our Discover Card moment of the week. Get your uh, free credit scorecard today, even if you're not a Discover customer. It includes your FICO credit score. Checking your scorecard won't hurt your credit. Learn more at discover.com slash credit scorecard. Limitations apply. Wynn in North Carolina. Hey, Wynn, what's on your mind today? Well, happy birthday, Dan. I hope you have many, many more. Um, my, I have two things for you. Uh, my wife and I walk on UNC campus every day, and we saw Mac Brown a couple days ago, and I asked him, um, you know, about the season, and he says they're planning to have a full season. Uh, UNC is going to be uh, open in the fall. The students are coming back, et cetera. So I think that that might be some ACC breaking news for you, Dan. Well, uh, thank so. you, Wynn. I, I, I don't exactly. – I need a second source there. Secondly, Dan, secondly, uh, my wife and I have been binge-watching Bosch since you recommended it, and I got a feeling that I can't let go. But anyway, I want to recommend something for you to watch. You say that you uh, have loved the soccer documentary on the Bundesliga. I I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. But there's a great uh, six-part series that Julian Fellows did, the the Down Abbey guy, 
Uh, it's called the English League. It's on PBS, and it's about the origins of modern soccer. Uh, it dates back to the 1880s when two Scottish guys were brought in by an English team in England, and it changed the whole game forever. And I think you'd really enjoy that. Well, I, I watched the documentary on Sunderland. Thank you, Wynn. Uh, Sunderland Till I Die, which was really well done. And I know I, I don't need to say it, probably shouldn't say it. You don't have to be a soccer fan to enjoy it because it's really about relationships, uh, you know, in, and, and what, a, what a team means to a town. Because you can watch this and you can say, boy, we really are invested in our teams. We love our teams, especially with college football. We love our college football team. Watch this documentary and you'll understand what a team truly means to a team or to a city. That's why it's called Sunderland Till I Die. But, but the passion that they have for that soccer team, and, it, and it's probably not different from a lot of these other uh, soccer teams, but the importance of that team to that town, it, 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 you cannot overstate it. And I think that's what really comes out in it. It's really well done. There, there are a lot of sports documentaries. I encourage people, if you haven't seen Hoop Dreams, watch Hoop Dreams. That's 1994. And it's as well done as any, docu- any documentary, not sports documentary. That was a movie where you're watching. And, and you know, when you watch The Wire, as well done as that is, you can watch it and go, I almost feel like I'm watching a documentary. You're watching Hoop Dreams and you realize that is a documentary. The Wire is based off of something. Hoop Dreams is based off of Hoop Dreams. The inner city, the struggle, parents involved. I mean, it's, it's, it's still powerful, still rings true. Final hour coming up, more phone calls. Oh, it's a meat Friday. It's a Traeger meat Friday. I got to go check on the chicken on the Traeger. It's, it's teriyaki chicken, I think, today. Got to go check on that. We'll be back. Final hour in this meat Friday right after this.